Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks podcast. I'm Jim Haney, Executive Director for Montana's Peer Network. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. And today we're kind of doing something a little different. One one of my co-hosts, Mandy, uh, is going to join us and be actually the guest. So it's uh, May and we're focusing on Mental Health Month. And so before we get started, I I want to do a little pitch here for SAMHSA.gov. That's S-A-M-H-S-A dot G-O-V. Mental Health Month is May. And SAMHSA always does a great job putting lots of really great resources uh, on their website, which are available. They have a Mental Health Awareness Month. They have a toolkit, which you can download. They have... um, all kinds of banners and logos you can put on you know, your website or uh, just to show your support for mental health awareness. Um, <clears throat> and then they always put on events. And so this uh, month they're putting on, they've got a couple of different events here, uh, strengthening public health through people, trust and connection. Uh, this is a virtual conversation around mental health and public health in general. And then well beyond medicine, implementing school-based behavioral health programs. This is another great opportunity to tune in, great webinars. And then they have about a dozen different links to all kinds of things from psychosocial interventions for older adults. They have behavioral health equity, uh, mental health facts and myths. There's practitioner trainings, which are always good. I've attended some of those. There's all kinds of uh, information from the White House and the Surgeon General's office. All of this is up here available to you. Again, it's SAMHSA.gov Mental Health Month here in the month of May. So again, thanks for tuning in. And now I I really want to get to Mandy. Mandy, you're in a little different role this time. You're you're the guest. So welcome. Welcome to Recovery Talks. Thanks. It is a little bit different being the guest and not being the host or the co-host, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not asking the questions. You're 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 doing most of the talking. You have the hard work to do. So, but how this came about was you had shared. We were talking, and you'd shared that you recently got a new diagnosis, and we kind of started talking, and was like, "Oh, this would make a great podcast for Mental Health Month." Yeah, you know, I've had a depression diagnosis and um, an anxiety, kind of general anxiety diagnosis for the last few years. Depression started before COVID, Um, panic attacks and anxiety started during COVID. And I've been maintaining, you know, to the best of my ability and the best of my primary care doctor's ability. We've been trying to, you know, manage the symptoms of both of these and work through these together. And this winter was particularly long and hard and cold and dark, yeah. and kind of all of the things that tend to um, 
you know, make depression symptoms worse. And so mm-hmm. we discussed me going in and seeing um, an actual psychiatrist. And I agreed. I was a little hesitant, but I agreed to go do that. And I went in and saw the psychiatrist for, you know, this very long appointment. It wasn't a 20 minute appointment. It's Had you ever been to a psychiatrist before? I had, but it was a very, very, very long time ago. And Mm. I was still in active addiction. And so Mm -hmm. that's all kind of blurry for me. Mm -hmm. Within within the confines of like an inpatient psych visit, which is also a lot different than going for an outpatient psychiatric visit. Yeah, that's why I asked. Yeah, that's why I asked because it's a very different, for a lot of people, they see a, a counselor, a licensed counselor, social worker, licensed addiction counselor, something like that. And that tends to be how a lot of people get diagnosed or through a primary care physician, they get diagnosed. Right. But when you go see a psychiatrist, it's a completely different experience. Yes, it yeah. is a completely different experience. <laughs> yes. The paperwork is tremendous as well. It was like, you know, have you, do you experience these symptoms? And it's like, you know, five or six different pages of mm-hmm. your thought process and your yeah. feelings and your behaviors. And cause they ask about everything. I mean, they're trying to narrow down, right. you know, between a large number of potential psychiatric illnesses, mm-hmm. which one or two or three you made up. Yeah. So yeah, it was like a, it was, I don't know, two and a half hour appointment, maybe three hour appointment, and. Mm-hmm. You know, if, at the end of this appointment, I was given a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder and panic disorder and depression, but really PTSD being the primary diagnosis and the panic disorder and depression really stemming from the trauma, from the PTSD, which I identify with. It was actually very validating for me to get that as a diagnosis because I self-diagnosed that a long time ago, knowing the trauma that I've been through, knowing that I have an ACEs score of 10, knowing the things that I know about trauma, working in this industry, I was pretty sure that that was, you know, a diagnosis, mm-hmm. but to have a psychiatrist sit down and, and go through all of that with me mm-hmm. was really validating even though I had a lot of anxiety doing it you know (laughs) it was really validating to have somebody Mm -hmm. say like trauma plays a big role in Mm -hmm. the things that you still feel like you can't control in your life right Mm -hmm. which is my symptoms and sometimes the way that my brain works and the way that my body works Mm -hmm. so it felt really good to get that diagnosis So you did the paperwork, lots of questions, then you sat down, and now more questions, more dialogue. Yes, yes. I will say, I think it was probably, I don't know, I would think it was helpful for them that I had some insight into that to begin with. I imagine those questions are a lot more challenging with people that can't voluntarily say, I have an ACEs score of 10. Mm -hmm. I feel like that narrowed down some much harder conversations sure but yeah lots and lots 
of questions about all kinds of things, um, including symptoms, right? And symptoms that, as much as I do know, there were things that I didn't realize were symptoms mm. that I experienced. Mm -hmm. One of them um, being having a hard time swallowing sometimes. I didn't realize that that was a, a symptom mm -hmm. of a, anxiety or panic attack. And I get that when mm -hmm. I'm anxious and I'm eating or drinking food, sometimes I like have a hard time swallowing and I feel like I'm going to choke. And then mm -hmm. I get like this rush of adrenaline and mm -hmm. panic. Mm -hmm. And then I take a drink and swallow, but I didn't realize that was mm -hmm. a symptom. I just mm -hmm. thought I was weird. <laughs> a, a physical, a physical manifestation of what you're experiencing psychologically coming out physically. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. No. Yeah, it's been interesting. I was going to say, uh, how do you think being a peer supporter, you know, you were sort of alluding to, you know, the having some awareness, right, helping the conversation along. But how do you think being a peer supporter helped, helped that process? Oh, man, I think... You think being a, a peer supporter helped that process a lot just because of what, how I've supported other people, right? Mm -hmm. Even though I have not had that interaction up until this moment with a psychiatrist, I have supported lots and lots and lots of people who have PTSD diagnoses, who struggle with trauma um, and who have seen psychiatrists and worked directly with psychiatrists. And I've seen them come in and feel very validated like I did. And I have also mm -hmm. seen them come in and be very frustrated or offended. And, and so supporting them through how to continue those conversations with their doctors, through trying to make sense of their own diagnoses and their own symptoms and their own coping skills, mm -hmm. I think prepared me to go in there and be open-minded and be vulnerable in a way mm -hmm. that I think is really hard when you don't know the person that you're talking with. And mm -hmm. you can feel, I felt, a little bit in the beginning that like, oh my gosh, I'm being analyzed. And the awareness not, of it. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And it's not yeah. the same as being judged, but it feels very similar to being judged. Sure, sure. Knowing that sure. what I share with them impacts my medical history. It's, you know, mm -hmm. they're literally mm -hmm. going to decide what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. you know, based mm -hmm. on the conversation that I have. Mm -hmm. And that can be really uncomfortable and really intimidating um, mm -hmm. if you're not prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or if you can't get to the place of vulnerability and right. whether you consciously or subconsciously don't give accurate answers, right? Whether you're sort of right. holding back, protecting some of that, or whether you don't even realize it and you're just like, no, that's not a problem. Like, you know, right. 
all that's going to influence it. That's why, that's why I asked the question, like having some awareness, being through some trainings, working with yeah. people, you know, and you have a bunch of years doing that. So certainly changes the process than somebody who just kind of, you know, maybe even their first time being diagnosed. Although most people don't get diagnosed with a psychiatrist anymore. By a psychiatrist. Yeah. Which yeah. is unfortunate, right? The payer sources and yeah. So you had this diagnosis originally, depression, anxiety, you got this new diagnosis. So it's, it's hasn't been too long, but how have things changed already for you and uh, you know, your family treatments, all of that, how have things changed? So initially, I mean, the, the first direction that they wanted to go, which I was pretty sure it would be, was medication. And, and I already take medication, right? That's something that my doctor and I have, you know, have worked together on for a while. I take mostly anxiety medication. I have a, a, a daily medication that I take that's non-addictive. And then I have a rescue medication that I take for panic attacks. And so they wanted to go medication for depression. That is one thing that I don't, I don't take. And that was one of the things I struggled with the most over the winter, right, was my depression. And so we talked through lots of different medication options, and I was very open with them that I generally don't do well with antidepressants, but I will try. And I tried, um, and I didn't do well with the medication that they prescribed. I had a horrible panic attack because of it. And, and I don't know. I don't know if I don't do well with the medication or if I am so anxious that I'm not going to do well that I make myself not do well. Like I'm, I'm aware that that's a possibility. Sure. Either way, sure. I don't want to feel that way. Yep. So I got a hold of him and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not taking that medication anymore. And I'll see him again here in a few weeks and talk about medication some more. I'm sure. But I got an appointment with. Uh, with a therapist. And I can tell you that knowing that the anxiety and the depression for me are kind of two sides to the same coin. Um, that's one of the things I talked to my therapist about the last time that I saw him is that for me, they're two sides to the same coin and that they both stem from the PTSD is really helpful in what we address in therapy. You know, we, yes, do we still talk about how do you cope with panic attacks? How do you deal with the physical symptoms of your anxiety and the mental symptoms of your anxiety? What are some coping skills? What type of thinking leads you there? Yes, we still talk about that. We still kind of do some cognitive behavioral therapy around that. But for the most part, a lot more of what we're focusing on now is the core things that are creating the anxiety, right? So we talked about, I have anxiety with driving on the interstate and I did EMDR therapy around that before I came to work at MPN because I knew I was going to have to travel for work and it's improved. It's not as bad as it was before mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did EMDR. But my therapist and I sat down and talked about Okay, what's the trauma on the interstate? And I don't have any car accidents on the interstate. And so we really had to dig a little deeper 
And for me, I lived on the road for three years with my ex-husband driving truck. And it was a super toxic, abusive marriage. I didn't have a way to escape. I didn't have access to family because we lived on the truck Mm. all over the United States. Mm. There's a lot of trauma in that for me. I didn't realize that that trauma now makes it hard for me to get on the interstate. That's not what I related it to. Mm -hmm. But he explained to me, the brain generalizes things, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and he's like, so when you get on the interstate, your brain goes, oh, my gosh, we're traveling. This is all bad. Mm -hmm. Because when you traveled, it was all bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so knowing those things is really helpful for me to be able to have grace with myself instead of going like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've never been in a wreck. Why can't I be normal? Mm-hmm. I can go, this isn't the same thing as that. I'm safe. I'm aware. He's gone. He worked really hard to get here. Take some deep breaths. To pause. But knowing what it comes from, for me, is helpful. Being able to work on the core of those issues instead of just constantly managing symptoms is really helpful for me. I'm curious about the approach, the demeanor in the counseling sessions, right? Because depression and anxiety are these like general diagnoses that, that, I mean, I was diagnosed with depression when I first, you know, was 21 years old, you know, that's sort of the catch-all that we throw everybody into to get them a diagnosis, to start delivering services, you know, those kinds of things. So did that change at all? Did like, did your mindset change now when you went into a counseling session? Because now it's like, oh, we're dealing with this other thing. And the other thing tends to be a little more, it tends to lead to more compassion from people when you say PTSD versus depression and anxiety. Yeah. It also leads to more, I think, a deeper kind of vulnerability on my part, too. Mm -hmm. Um, To go in and talk about my anxiety, I can still go in and be really guarded and talk Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. I can talk about my symptoms without digging into Mm -hmm. what causes them. When I go in and I talk about the core, when I talk about the abuse, when I talk about... Mm -hmm you know, things that have a really big emotional response, I can't, I mean, I can be guarded, but it's not going to be as effective if I'm really guarded. And I shared that with him. Um, It's, it's hard too for me to go in and see a male counselor a little bit. And I'm working on that because this was the counselor that they could get me in with that my insurance covers without Mm -hmm. a giant waiting list. Mm -hmm. And it's a man. And I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. I have a lot of trauma with men, mm-hmm. but it it was okay. He, he is very, he is very compassionate and gentle and I think works hard to remind me to be compassionate with myself mm-hmm. because I am kind of a go-getter and I do kind of want to just be guarded and move past things. and. Um, mm-hmm. I'm 
hard on myself. And so he is, uh, he's good at being gentle and he's good at reminding me to be gentle with myself. And he was very open about what do you, what do you need from me? What do you need to know about me? What questions do you have? Because I don't expect you to be able to open up and talk about your trauma with somebody that you don't feel safe with and with somebody that you don't trust. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like, that's really true. And that's really honest. And so for somebody to voluntarily say that and go, I know this is going to be hard for you. What do you need from me? It was really nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How things changed you know, with your, at home, with the family, did anything change there with the different diagnosis? I would say I have been more gentle with myself mm. at home. Mm-hmm. Um, since having the diagnosis, I don't, I would say around my anxiety and depression too, both. I'm really hard on myself about it. Like mm. if I have a panic attack, I'm like apologetic and I feel guilt or shame or like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm burdening you with my mental illness. And and I don't mean that in like this kind of sarcastic way. Like, I honestly feel bad that my kids and that my partner get a peak, get out, get parts of me that aren't my best. Mm -hmm. And the guilt on that and the shame that I feel associated with that is a big part of what goes down depression alley, right? That's mm-hmm. why I said it's two sides to the same coin for me. And so learning to be more gentle with myself at home and have more um, intentional conversations where I'm vulnerable about what I'm feeling instead of just trying to like suck it up and deal with it on my own. I also think we've had more conversations. We've got a lot going on right now, right? We're getting ready to move into this new house. We just, we're buying a house. Mm-hmm. We move in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. That's stressful. Plus we have soccer and baseball and summer is yeah. coming and training. Family and stuff, everything. yeah. yeah. Yes, and so that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure and a lot of stuff going on for somebody who doesn't have a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so we've had conversations about that. She's asked me more often, like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Because she knows things are are more stressful than usual. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm being more, more open and honest about those things. And we're making plans for our new home. Like I really want a garden. I know that you and I have had that conversation. That's Yep. That's something for me yep. that is, I enjoy it. It's self-care, something about being able to put my hands into the bare dirt mm-hmm. and you know, help plants live. And mm-hmm. it's, it's peaceful and it's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, that has to be something that we prioritize sooner rather than later when we get there. Because for mm-hmm. me, that's something I think I'm going to need to be able to do, to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's opened those kinds of conversations um, where I think before it was just like, I want a garden. 
Right. Or I, I want a cat. Right. And it's like, right. I want a garden and I want a cat because those things are helpful to my mental health. Right. Right. It's not just a, I want a, it's a, yeah. these need to be priorities if I'm going to use them in order to better how I'm feeling and how I'm thinking and how I'm being. Mm -hmm. You know how I feel. I highly recommend the garden. You know, yes. Yes. I went home for lunch and I, you know, I have I have a greenhouse. I, I have the water. I mean, it's it's warm in the greenhouse, so you know, I got I got a water. But even outside, I started digging, uh, you know, mulch in my into my garden. You know, my outside garden. You know, and starting to work that, and you know, got to keep it wet, and you got to you know, and yeah, just you know, even just whatever, fifteen minutes of you know in there, it's just it's this tranquil tranquil, peaceful, comforting place and things are growing. And yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very healing, really. I, I, I love it. Yeah, I think it's very, very healing, too. And I haven't had that, you know, living in a rental the last mm -hmm. couple of years, it, mm -hmm. I haven't had that. Yeah. And so I think that'll be, that'll be really helpful. That's something I'm excited to prioritize in my life. And I think that I know that it will make some kind of a difference, you know, mm -hmm. I'm excited to feel that difference and for them to see that difference. And that bleeds over into physical wellness too, mm -hmm. you know, because then you have all of these vegetables all year mm -hmm. and um, you're not spending money on buying stuff at the grocery store that's just going to go bad. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I grew this. I grew this giant yeah. zucchini. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. There's something, yeah. <laughs> there's just something that is, yeah. um, to me, amazing about growing vegetables and fruit in a garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, getting your hands in the dirt, like you said, that's that's part of it. And then caring, I think, caring for something. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's great. That's great. Well, there's pride, I, too. You know, there's well, like, sure. Oh, sure. What I, sure. Look at what I've done with nothing but dirt <laughs> and see. Not that I did it, you know, the sun yeah, and the but, water did it. Yeah, but. yeah, 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 no, it's, it's great. Um, well, thank you for coming on and, you know, being vulnerable and wanting to, wanting to do this all, all this month. Of course, we're focusing on mental health related issues for May. Mental Health Awareness Month. Again, for the listener, you can go to samsa.gov. Lots of great resources um, to check out, whether you're a, just a person in recovery or you're a peer supporter or practitioner or whoever you are. Um, I, I think uh, they do a really good job of uh, making things available. And even if you do nothing else but download a banner and put it on your Facebook page or something, you know, just to raise the awareness, um, you know, get it out on social media to bring focus to, uh, to mental health. So thank you, Mandy. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a great conversation. And thank you to the listener for tuning in. Each week we record a Recovery Talks podcast from Montana's Peer Network. Thank you so much. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible.
Recovery works. Recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. <laughs> recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible.